Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. But this morning, what we're going to talk about, I think, is something really, really important, especially as we get into this new school year. Because I believe that if we understand this, and not just understand it, but we actually do something with it, then as a church, we are gonna make a huge impact this year in our community. Do you wanna see that? You see, God has big plans for us. And I believe if we take this and we apply what we're gonna learn today, it'll change us as individually, but also corporately. All right, so I'm gonna pray again, just to make sure that we are focused on what God has to say, not on what Dave has to say. Are we good with that? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the fact that we can come into your presence and we can worship the creator of the universe. Lord, I pray that we'd never forget the magnitude of that that you who created us, who spoke and everything came into existence, you want our praises. And so I thank you for the opportunity we've had to do that. And Lord, in these next few moments, you wanna speak to us. And we're gonna open your word, we're gonna come face to face with you, and I pray with all of my heart that every one of our hearts is ready for what you have to say. That we would listen, but not just listen, we would live out whatever you're gonna challenge us to do. As tough as it may be, we know that we can do all things through you who strengthens us. So I pray you remove all the distractions of the week, get me out of the way, because you are the potter, I am the clay, and I thank you so much for that privilege. In your name I pray, amen. I wanna begin this morning by asking you a question. How many of you have grown up going to church? Like you have gone to church as long as you can remember, like, okay, yeah. I am in the same boat, all right? Now here's the thing, is as a kid, I loved church. I loved it. And I'm going to show you why. I brought something with me. Wait here. You're going to love this. Two words. Animal crackers. Right? This, I think these things are like a church staple. Right? Just like the hymnals. Just a church staple, right? And so here's the thing is, is, uh, this is a huge container of it. I found it in Catherine's office. Is Catherine here? Okay, they may not go back to her office. Anyways, so I love these things. And I opened it and I realized someone also already got into it. So this morning, I'm gonna have one of these. Hope you don't mind. Um, the, the toughest part is deciding which animal to take. Uh, I'm gonna go with, oh, I got a rhinoceros. All right. Now, these things are really good. Now, there's a certain way to eat them, okay? This is what I believe. You bite the head off first. You just put them out of their misery, right? And so, oh, mm. I wish I could give them one to each one of you, but I can't, because Catherine told me only me, and I can only have one, so uh, I'm gonna enjoy this. Mm. They're kind of dry a little bit, but still, they're, they're good. You know, it's interesting. When I was a kid, we had a thing called Junior Church, kind of like our Temple's Treehouse. And we would have these every single morning for snack. And it was great. In fact, I remember one time my teacher actually taught on Noah's Ark. And what she had us do, this was brilliant, she had us take a two of every kind of animal cracker and line them all up. And I remember because they got to the point where they all went into the ark and we got to dance them into the ark, I remember that. And once they got in the ark, we ate them. 
I don't remember that in the Bible story, but that was my favorite part of the lesson, all right? In fact, I have been known now, actually, on Sunday mornings, I'm not usually in here, I'm going to go around checking all the kids' stuff, making sure everything's okay. I conveniently, every Sunday, show up at the JK room, just at snack time. You know why? Because they serve animal crackers. Did I tell you how much I love these things? Because I do, I love them. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. When I got into grade six, two things happened. Number one, no more animal crackers. It was devastating. I was cut off, it was brutal. Second thing is this, is I had to go to big church. And if I'm being honest with you, I really didn't enjoy big church. I struggled. In fact, if I'm being real, there were many times that I actually fell asleep. Now, before you judge me, all right, because some of you are like, Pastor Dave, here's the thing. How many of you, I'm gonna be honest here this morning, how many of you have ever fallen asleep in church? Put your hands up. Okay, you know, I'm looking around. Some of you should have your hands up because I have seen you sleeping <laughs> when I preach. We see a lot more up here than you actually think, all right? Here's the thing is I fell asleep and the reason why is because I had a hard time focusing on what the pastor was saying. And I did everything I possibly could to stay focused. I remember growing up, my parents were actually here this morning, my mom would have a purse full of candy. And it was those candies with the wrappers, remember the ones you had to be very careful, because it's like, it's like you're making noise, you know, you're disturbing everybody. I was popping those things left and right, giving myself a sugar rush to try to stay focused on what he was gonna say. Another reason I struggled too is because there was a lot of distractions. And one of the biggest distractions was my older brother. What he would do, we'd always sit beside each other, and what he would do is he would get me laughing in church. Now, we all know this, right? Laughing in church is a big no-no, all right? Unless the pastor makes a joke, then you have to laugh out of courtesy, even if it's not funny. It's a rule, I didn't make it, you have to follow it, okay? And so you just have to laugh. So my brother would get me laughing and my pastor wasn't funny at all, he didn't tell jokes. And so I'm starting to laugh and I'm trying to hold it back and I know, I know I shouldn't be laughing but because I know I shouldn't be laughing, it's so much harder to stop laughing and my brother kept going and going and going. Now here's the thing, is my dad always sat beside one of my brother or myself, it was either one of those, and my dad is six foot four. And so as a kid, he was a giant to me, right? And I remember my brother and I would be laughing, and be like, blah, blah, and my dad, he would put beside us, he would take his hand, and he would grab the closest knee. Could be mine, could be my brother, didn't matter. We felt the pain together, all right? So he would grab one of our knees, and he would squeeze. Now understand, it wasn't hard enough that it hurt, but it was hard enough that it sent a message to me. Stop laughing. Now here's the thing, my brother and I were not stupid. We knew not to cry out or to make a scene. Because we knew this, is if we just endured it, that was it. It wasn't brought up again, my dad dealt with it, it was good. But we knew if we made a scene or we blurted anything out, we were dead, all right? So we just endured it and it's like, don't laugh again, all right? But the reason I tell you those stories is because I want you to understand that as a grade six, I really struggled with church. And I'll tell you the reason I struggled with church, and I'm just gonna say it, 
because I found church as a grade six to be boring, if I'm being honest with you. And if you're being honest with me this morning, I'm sure a lot of us have thought that sometimes. We've never said it, but we've thought it. Now, here's the thing. Most of us here this morning would agree that going to church is a good thing, like flossing our teeth. How many of you floss your teeth, by the way? Oh, wow, good thing. Any dental people here? There's new customers for you, all right? So, flossing or recycling, those are good things. And going to church sounds nice, but this is what I've noticed. It gets pushed aside really quickly when life gets busy. When work piles up, or here's the thing, when you're driving your kids to events and tournaments. Uh, you know what, we'll, we'll go to church next week. I notice the church gets pushed aside real quick when life gets tough. Something devastating happens in your life and so you're like, I don't know if I wanna go to church. And life gets pushed aside, or a church gets pushed aside when life gets messy. When you make mistakes and you feel guilty and you want to hide from God. When life happens to us or we happen to life, what we tend to do is one of two things sometimes. The first thing is this, is we stop showing up physically. It's just conveniently every Sunday, we just seem to be doing something else. We have other plans. And when our friends come to us and ask us, hey, we haven't seen you in church, we claim that we're always too busy to go to church. Or if we don't do that, what we do is this, is we stop showing up mentally. We start checking out, dozing off, checking our phones, getting bored, sitting back with our arms crossed. And the thing is, is we're present, but only physically, because our minds are a million miles away. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is this, is why is that? Why have every one of us experienced that? And I think the answer lies in how we actually see church. You see, for a lot of us, we see church as a place this building, the walls, the pews, an address we can Google. Some of us see a church as a program. Church is music, some announcements, an offering, a message, and some more music. And that is church. Now, I'm not saying that places and programs are bad, we need them, but if that's all church is, then that gets boring really quick, really fast. But here's the crazy thing, is that is not how Jesus described the church. He said it was going to be something powerful. That in his own words, he said this in Matthew 16, 18, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That is a huge statement because what Jesus said is this, is Jesus saw the church as something so strong and so alive that no amount of evil could take it down. And so I ask you, why doesn't it feel that way now? Why is it the first thing we want to skip? Why is it something, get this, we patiently wait to get through instead of something we can't wait to get to. Maybe it's, is it possible that our idea of church is missing something? 
And I think one of the best ways to talk about church is to actually look at the very first church. And so if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter two, your phones, whatever you have, or your iPads, turn to Acts chapter two. Now the book of Acts was actually written by a guy by the name of Luke. And it's written right after Jesus is resurrected and he ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter two, the passage we're gonna look at begins with the disciples encountering the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus was here, he said, listen, you don't want me to stay because there's one that's coming that's, even, that's gonna help you even more because I'm here, but the Holy Spirit is actually coming and gonna indwell you. And so the beginning of Acts chapter two, the disciples are in this room and all of a sudden what happens is this, is the Holy Spirit comes upon them for the very first time and God begins to move. And it says, in Jerusalem at that time, there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And this is crazy, it says that Peter gets up and he begins to speak and the crowds begin to gather. And listen to what it says here. It says, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoke. So let me give you an example here. It's like me standing here this morning and every one of you speak a different language. And what we see in this passage is it's like me speaking to you and as I speak, when the words hit your ears, they are instantly translated into your own language even though there may be 50 different languages here. And it's all done simultaneously without any translator. And so Peter gets up after the Holy Spirit's indwelt, he begins to speak and he feels like this is crazy because you speak a different language, I speak a different language, but I am hearing what he is saying at the same time and it's translated into my own language. And the reason why it's so amazing is because God is at work. And it's cool because Peter stops preaching and it says this in chapter two, verse 41, those who accepted his message, get this, were baptized and about 3,000 not three, 3,000 were added to their number that day. So here's the summary. Jesus' disciples, they see their leader killed, buried, and resurrected from the dead. They wanna tell everyone because nothing like this has ever happened before. And so Peter preaches, and in one day, 3,000 people decide to follow Christ. Talk about crazy. And at that moment, what happens is this, is the church is actually born. And here's the cool thing, is we go a little further and it describes what this church is like. And people say to me, Dave, why are you still in ministry? Because sometimes being a pastor is tough. Do you know why I am in ministry? Is I read this passage I'm gonna read you in a moment and I get excited because I believe this is what the church is supposed to be. And this is what I believe the church can be. Okay, listen to this. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the disciples. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, in this short description, what we actually see is this, is we see two glimpses of the early church. First of all, we see what God saw, and then we see what the world saw. And that's what I wanna focus on this morning really quickly. Let me show you what God saw. 
It says this, this is what God saw, a group of believers who were steadfast. Now, what do you think of when you think of the word steadfast? Well, I think of the word solid, anchored, immovable. These believers were steadfast in what they believed because they were anchored in something solid, something greater than themselves. It says this in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, they were steadfast because they were anchored in this. There was a lot of pressure from the world to believe certain things, but they were so focused on this, this is all they cared about. All they cared about was what God wanted them to do. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It says this, they weren't distracted because they were so focused. And this is the cool thing too, is they all were committed to the same thing. They said, this is what we're gonna to commit to. And the cool thing is, is when they moved together, they lived and they, they, they reflected Christ according to what this said. And another thing that's really exciting is they encouraged each other with the same truth. And we all love to be encouraged, but these guys also held each other accountable to this. And they were steadfast. They were immovable and God was going to use them because of that. Another thing God saw was this, a group of people who were selfless. You know, we live in a very selfish world and so did they. And these believers wanted to stand out, they wanted to make a difference, so what they chose to do is this, is they chose to be selfless. Listen to what it says in verse 44 and 45. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There's two things I do not want you to miss here about this whole idea of selflessness. The first thing is this, is they were selfless in who they were. In other words, they were humble. It says this, that they had everything in common. And what that means is this, is no one thought they were better than anybody else. As they lived together, they lived in humility. Second thing is this, is they were selfless in what they had. It says that they sold everything, they sold their stuff, their property and possessions, and they gave away their stuff to anyone who had need. And I love this, they didn't loan it with interest. They gave it away and said, you know what, you can have it. And don't worry about giving it back because you know what, someone has given to me and so I wanna return, I wanna pass it on. I wanna pay it forward. And I am so blown away by what God has done for me that giving this is not even an issue. And so Jesus, God looked at this church and he saw a group of people who were steadfast. He saw a group of people who were selfless. And the last thing I think God saw was this, is a group of people who were sincere. Now, what does it mean to be sincere? It means this, it means to be real and transparent not fake and two-faced. It's what you see is what you get. And what I love about this description is you get the idea that these believers were not about playing games. They're about being real with each other, warts and all. Listen to what it says in verse 46 and 47. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In that passage, how often did they meet together? Every day. 
I began to think about that. You know, if I met with you guys every day, I think some of you would find me crazy. I would drive you crazy. You know, I drive my wife crazy every day, so I can't imagine doing that to you, okay? But here's the thing, is every day they met together. Why? Because they were real. And because they were real, they loved each other. And they cared for each other. And so you read this passage and what gets me excited is this, is that the idea of church, the church that Jesus started, was to be something that was gonna be dynamic, attractive, and life-changing. It wasn't a place you just showed up and suffered through. It wasn't the first place you abandoned when life got crazy. In fact, it was the first place you went when life got crazy because you knew these people cared about you. And this is the most important thing I want you to get. It wasn't because of a building. Because they didn't have a building. And it wasn't because of programs or services or productions, because they met in homes. For them, the church was all about the people. That's what made the church so appealing and powerful and attractive. Get this, I wanna read this because I don't want you to miss this. It was a group of believers who treated each other in a way that told the world who Jesus was. You get that? A group of people who treat each other in a way that told the world who Jesus was. In fact, I'm gonna give you a big idea, and this is all you get today, and you can walk away with this. I hope you get more, but if you, this is all you get, it's good. This is your big idea. The church isn't an it, it's an us. You get that? The church isn't an it, it's an us. It was a group of people who loved Jesus and looked out for each other. They invited outsiders in, and it was an us that the whole world, and the whole city, and eventually the whole world would be drawn to. That's what God saw when he looked at these people. But I said there was two glimpses, and the second glimpse is this, is the world. And let me show you what the world saw. What they saw was love. These believers loved each other, and they loved the community. They loved the good news of Jesus that told them God loved them, and through the power of Jesus' resurrection, God defeated sin, which had trapped them. Now this is the cool part. Because they had been shown big love, they knew they were called to show the same kind of love to each other. That is why they gathered together so regularly. That's why they ate together and prayed together and invited the whole world to join in. Get this, because they loved each other out of the love that God had for them, people couldn't wait to be part of it. Because they looked in and said, man, I wanna be loved that way. What does it mean? And that's why so many people came to know Christ. Because they were blown away by the love that they had for one another. And so they saw love. Here's another thing, is they saw excitement. It says this, everyone was filled with a sense of awe. And this is so cool, because it's this idea, this sense of what is God going to do next? They couldn't, get, they couldn't wait to get to church or meet together because every time they met together, God did something really, really cool. Jesus was the center of this whole thing. At the core, this was a Jesus movement. 
And so there was an excitement about who Jesus is and what he had done for them. And they spent a lot of time being excited and praising God for who he is. So the world saw love, they saw an excitement. And this is the next thing, this is the last thing they saw in this passage, is they saw generosity. It says they had everything in common. And what that means is this, if you were in need, the church had your back. If you were short on food, they made sure your family was fed. But remember, it wasn't because these people were rich, because they weren't. They were just generous with what they had. When things went wrong in the group, they were the first on the scene. It's interesting, it made quite an impact on the world around them. I don't think the world understood it, because that's not the way the world operates. It's look out for number one. Well, because they didn't understand it, I believe they were drawn to it. And how do you know that? Listen to what it says. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This group of believers made an impact and then they saw an increase. And it says this, the Lord didn't add to their number yearly or monthly or weekly. He was adding to their number daily because what the world saw, they were drawn to. You see, when it comes to church, listen to me, it's not the building that makes an impact. It's the changed lives within that building that does. And the early church understood this. The church isn't an it. It's an us. And I believe with all my heart that God still wants it to be that way today. He does. So, I know what you're thinking. A lot of us are probably thinking, you know what, Dave, that is not the church I know. It's not. I read the description of the early church, I see what it's like today, and if we're being real, let's just be real, because if we're not honest, we're not gonna get anywhere. Sometimes it just doesn't line up. And so my question is this, is what causes the church not to be like this? The Acts chapter two church. Well, I think it comes down to simply this. When we lose our focus. When we take our eyes off Jesus and we focus on ourselves, then we get in trouble. When it becomes about what I could get from church rather than what I can give, that's a scary thing. Now, it is so easy to sit back and to point fingers and shift the blame, but the one thing I've learned is this. If the church is going to change, it needs to start with me. Nobody else. It's gotta start with me. And so we need to be willing to look at our lives and ask ourselves, what do I need to change about my attitude? Because me. God wants to work in me. And so what I wanna do as I close is this, is I wanna make this real. And I wanna give you a challenge to all of us, including myself, and this challenge is twofold. And so if you can write these two statements down, you're gonna be good. First, if we want things to change, we need to step up for God. And what that means is this, is we need to be steadfast in the word. In other words, 
we need to be anchored in this. Now I'm gonna say something, and I want you to hear this, and it's gonna be painful, but it's gonna be good for you. Here's the thing, if all you have is a Sunday morning only diet, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If all you do is open the word of God on Sunday mornings, even if you you do that, but all you get is either Pastor Donald, Pastor Glenn, or myself, and that's all the Bible you hear, you're in trouble. And I'll tell you why. Because physically, if all you did was eat on Sunday morning, you would starve yourself. You would not be physically fed. And so my question is this, is why do we think we can do that spiritually? If all you do, and I'm saying this in love, but I have to say it. If Sunday morning is all you get, listen to me, you will never, you will never be steadfast. Here's the thing. We need to be in this every day. Every day. It's hard, I know that. I think the two toughest things we do is spend time in God's word and pray. And you know why? Because the enemy knows that. That's the only thing that scares the enemy. You can golf, you can fish, you can do whatever you want. But that doesn't doesn't intimidate him. He's like, do whatever you want, get distracted. But the moment you get into this and you begin to know this and you begin to pray to your heavenly father, he loses control and he does not want that. But God says, listen, the church we're to be steadfast in this, not just, as a, not just altogether, but individually. Second thing is this, is we gotta be selfless towards each other. This means we actually need to care for each other, and not just by what we say, but what we do. And it means that we need to be willing to sacrifice our time, our energy, and our stuff. And so what I would say is this, it's coming to life not like this, holding on to our stuff for dear life, coming like this. Last thing that I think we need to do if we're gonna step up for God is this, is we need to be sincere in our faith. We need to be real. We need to stop performing and pretending to be someone we're not. We have to remove our masks. I know a lot of us, we put on masks because we don't want people to see things because we're afraid of being judged. But guess what's interesting? If we all removed our masks, we'd realize that we're all just as messed up as, we're all messed up. But the great thing is we have a savior who loves us and has given us each other so we can encourage one another. But that doesn't happen unless we're willing to remove the masks, tear down the walls, and understand that what really connects us is when we're genuine with God and we're genuine with each other. And so if we want to change things as a church, I think first of all, we got to show up for God. I mean, we got to stand up for God, okay? The second challenge I want to give you is this, is we have to show up for the world. Do you get that? Step up for God, show up for the world. Here's a question I want to ask you. What does the world see when they look at Temple Baptist Church? Just think about it for a moment. Maybe you're going to say, oh, day camp. We had a great day camp. Hampers at Christmas time, that's great too. Clothing drives, awesome. 
But there's a bunch of other things that people say about temple. And it's funny, when I talk to people and I say I'm from temple, some people say great things, but some people aren't afraid to say the bad stuff. And some things I go, whoa. And so what does the world see when they look at us? Well, let me tell you what God wants them to see. When the world looks at Temple Baptist Church, this is what God wants them to see. The first thing I would say is this, is a love that blows them away. A love that is so different from anything else in this world that it stands out in neon lights. A love that is so irresistible. And get this, that love starts with the kind of love that we have for each other. Not for them, but for each other. This is what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. He said this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Get this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for who? Not for the world, but love for one another. Because here's the thing, is if, if the world sees the kind of love that we have for each other, they're gonna wanna be part of it. And so they're gonna experience God's love. But I'll tell you something, the world watches us so closely. I'm amazed when I'm in situations and I mess up and they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, but you do it all the time. Yeah, but I'm not a Christian. They know the standard we have, they know the love we talk about. And so here's the thing is they hear about it, but I think the world so desperately wants to see it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think when the world looks at us, God wants them to see an excitement that is unexplainable. We need to show up on Sunday morning anticipating what God will do. You know what amazes me? If you go to a concert or if you go to a sporting event, you go early, why? Because you want a good seat. You don't want to miss anything. You know, if you go to a baseball game, you want to see the batting practice. And we get so excited about getting to, getting to those sporting events. And we have such excitement. But my question is, this is why don't we have that same excitement for coming to church sometimes? Why do we come in late? And just kind of come in whenever, yeah, I'll just come when I can, when it's convenient. You know, here's the thing that I want to tell you. And you know what? I, I always get myself in trouble because I say things that God wants me to say and it's, it's not always popular. But this is what I want you to think about. Have you ever thought about this? God, God put this on my heart. Maybe the reason why God doesn't show up has nothing to do with him, but everything to do with us. It's not about a lack of power on God because God is almighty. I think sometimes, and I'm going to be real with you, sometimes the reason why God doesn't show up is because our lack of faith. You're like, Dave, that's not biblical. Yes, it is. Because many times Jesus would come and he could not heal because he said their lack of faith. And so I really believe this, that if we had the kind of faith that God wants us to have, I believe that God would show up. But there needs to be an excitement. Listen to me. I think all of us know that God can do great things. But do we believe that God can do great things? Amen? Yeah. So here's the thing. Another thing I want you to get. I want you to think about this. When God shows up, because he does show up. I've seen him show up at this church, and he's going to continue to show up. We need to get excited. Because sometimes, I think we get more excited about our team winning the Super Bowl 
than we do God showing up in our lives, and we need to do that. Because here's the thing, is when we get excited like that, the great thing is that excitement is contagious. And I believe this with all my heart. I think when the world sees the kind of excitement we have, not the spiritual fake one, but I mean the genuine excitement because God is doing things and we can see God moving, then people will get excited. The world will say God is not dead because I see him alive in your life because you're excited about something and I can't explain it. Because you know what? You shouldn't be excited because everything else is falling apart in your life and you can say, no, but I believe in God. And God is with me every step of the way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. That kind of excitement, when it makes no sense and is unexplainable, will impact the world. Last thing I wanna give you, I'm gonna be done, all right? So, when the world sees us as Temple Baptist Church, God says this, I want them to see a love that blows them away. I want them to see an excitement that is unexplainable. And then I want them to see a generosity that makes no sense. Because we live in a very selfish world. The kind of generosity that God is calling us to needs to stand out. And it's not giving out of our abundance, but simply giving out of what we have. You know my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the woman who comes, the, the widow, and she gives what? She gives like a mite. And the disciples are like, that's nothing. You see what that guy gave? And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Even though she gave that little, she gave everything she had, and everyone else is giving out of their abundance. Let's face it, it is so easy to give out of our abundance. When we're taken care of, yeah, we'll give away. Sure, no problem. But when we're just trying to make it by, and we're saying, okay, God, you know what? I can't afford to do this, but all I know is I love these people and I'm excited because I know you're a great God that I'm gonna give. And people say to you, you can't afford to do that. You're like, yeah, but it's not about me. It's what God wants me to do. Because here's the thing, is when we are generous in that way, that kind of lifestyle is magnetic. People are like, what's up with that? I wanna find out more. I wanna know why you're able to do that. So, let me close. Big idea is this, the church isn't an it, it's an us. And here's the fact that we have to believe Temple Baptist Church has been placed in this community at this time. God is watching, the world is watching. My question to all of us is this, is how will we respond? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this church family. Lord, I thank you that we are in this together and we're not alone. We are here to love each other, to support each other, to encourage each other, and to hold each other accountable. And Lord, you have places in this community at this time for a reason. And Lord, I pray that as we go into this new school year that we would truly understand what you've called us to be. We need to be steadfast in your word. We need to be selfless with what we have and we need to be sincere. Because Lord, my prayer is this, is I so desperately want Sarnia to look at Temple and to see a love that blows them away. To see, uh, to see an excitement that is unexplainable. 
and to see a generosity that doesn't make sense. And Lord, when I read this passage, you added daily to their numbers. I believe you can still do that. Help us to have the faith, not only knowing that we have a big God, but believing that we have a big God, that nothing is impossible for. Lord, may this week be different because of what we've learned today. And here we pray, amen.